previously on Corkout History. Here is just a short recap. In the last episode, we went through from the Roman times to the Germanic tribes invasion to the Moorish invasions to the times of the Reconquista and Pelagio in the north and the Reconquest uh, taking over the Moorish lands, which introduced us to the first Christian kings. And that brings us up to speed. Which brings us to the place where we are going to start today with Fernando I, or Fen Fernando Magno, who is one of the first promoters of the Reconquest. Welcome to another episode of Corkout History. Where we drink Portuguese wine. And we talk about Portuguese history. Uh, mostly the wine. My name is André. And I'm Inês. Uh, welcome to Corkout History. The real start and the Juicy King's rabbit hole. Rabbit hole! Rabbit hole! Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Okay, okay, and so why is this a juicy king's rabbit hole? Oh, mate, because there's nothing that doesn't happen in here. So, where should we start? Things are going to get really, really cinematographic, I would say. It's proper Game of Thrones style. I mean, minus the dragons, but yeah. It is, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Once again, this is a very rocky start that we don't hear so much about. Oh, we definitely don't. I, I had never heard anything about this. To be um, completely fair, if you have a very limited time to teach these things, I mean, this could be considered almost more more important in the history of Spain than it would be in the, in the history of Portugal, because the kings that we are going to be speaking now for this first rabbit hole, they are... They will be kings of the the kingdoms of Castile and Leon and uh, Galicia, and those are all more modern Spain. However, things don't exist in a in a in a vacuum. For us to understand how things came to be, for since we don't want to, you know, we want to look at things from um, a different angle. I think this is a very funny angle to look things from. I guess we need to get started. We might as well start with with the king. Fernando I, or Fernando Magnus, as he would be uh, later known. So, as anything, when you call someone the great, they are quite instrumental in the in how things play out. So, this Fernando Magnus, he's the first true promoter of the Reconquest, and uh, only during the 11th century does this Reconquest movement begin as a purposeful and solid movement. And this is it, Fernando I. So, and he's going to be the papa of all our juicy kings that are going to go completely mad on each other and give us so much to talk about. Okay, so saying that the Reconquest starts as a purposeful and solid movement, is not the same as to say that it's an absolute and unwavering thing. That's not how things work. So this lasts for a long time. Politics and what we can call the Game of Thrones being what it is. There were frequent alliances between Christian lords and Moorish lords. Both sides were very fractured into several small kingdoms during this period, which lasted for centuries. And in this, it invited every kind of treaties and alliances, and we will be able to see excellent examples of this over and over through these episodes. You know, one good flesh-and-blood impersonation of this um, can be found in the figure of Cisnando Davides. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name. Right. The Mozarab. And what is a Mozarab? Mozarabi? 
is the population living under Muslim rule but following the Christian religion. Religious freedom was allowed and the populations could either convert to Islam or continue adoring the Christian God if they paid its tribute. In the long run, and especially in the South, there would be a complete conversion to the Muslim culture and way of life, but for the religion and God itself. A lovely example of this reaches through a document called, I'm probably gonna murder the name now, Indiculus Luminous, where they rant about how the new generation has completely adopted the culture and can communicate better in Arabic than in Latin. It is important to make a distinction between Arab and Arabic. Arabic includes the Mozarabi population, like Christians and Jews, which communicate in Arabic. At the time, the cooperation spirit between religions was outstanding, and many innovations stemmed from this, with science and culture all being carried in Arabic. Right, these people were living in this land and occupying a cultural space and a, and a, a religious space that changes and that's 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 of course um, subject to change uh, during the time but it, that it's also uh, plural and different and then and, and I got lost there but the idea is that um, yeah there's way more than just black and white as we're usually uh, painting it Exactly. It, I think it's very often painted in, like we said before, like uh, there's the Christians and then the Moors come over and they conquer and then we conquer again and the lands are Christian again. And yes, but admittedly during those, um, you know, in some areas it wasn't even like it didn't even reach to be 200 years in the south. It was a lot longer. It was one of the most uh, abundant and um, rich and cultural rich pr um, times in the in the peninsula and in of the of the entire uh, of all the time in there. It was it was a super peaceful time. There were no wars going on, and the cultural development was just incredible. One of the things that we always mention when studying this in school, back you know in fifth grade when we were like eleven. Uh, it's about, oh, the things that the Moors brought to Portugal and they got us oranges and they mm -hmm, got like all mm -hmm. these funky watering systems. Yeah. Yes, but there was so much more. Yeah. Like the development medicine was incredible at the time. Uh, architecture was incredible at the time. Engineering, like it was just outstanding. It was out of this world. Once again, I need to highlight how we will need to have an episode just dedicated to that. But that's another story. So back to... You were telling me about Cisnando before we got completely carried away. Yeah, completely off track. But yeah, Cisnando, this guy was a, um, has a very colorful life that kind of represents what this time was also about and how things were, uh, once again, not black and white. And he is um, kidnapped uh, as a child and he's raised as a Moor. And then he becomes a diplomat. He turns coats again and starts working for Fernando I. That Fernando that, that we were just talking about. What, why, does it, why were we talking about this? <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did question when you went in there. I was like, oh, you're going there. <laughs> but why? I have no idea. <laughs> now we need to keep it. <laughs> Because we talked about all of this in the <laughs> And this was really interesting, what we just did, but like, 
why does this guy matter? What? It's just as an example. Uh, so, yes, I know it's a little bit of a detour, but this was just like an example. This is just to say there was a lot of diplomacy going on between the kingdoms and, the, you know, people were switching from one side to the other. Conversions were going on all the time and they didn't even need to because there was freedom of religion and you didn't actually have to convert. No one was really too worried about that, which I think is great. Oh, and just this guy, just to finish, since I got him in there in the first place, he becomes the... F no, not the first, but he becomes the Count of Coimbra, which is one of our biggest and most well-known cities today. Now cue the touristy trucks. In Portugal. So if there's any of you in Coimbra listening to us, which I doubt, you, uh, here you go. <laughs> Little shout out to you. <laughs> Shout out to the people of Coimbra! <laughs> we got Guimarães and we got Coimbra already. Yes, is... yes, yes, that's it. Okay, so this... <laughs> Andre is struggling with his pop filter at the time. At this moment. This is not alive. <laughs> this is all... <laughs> that's true. Thank, oh, God. thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that. God, we would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, go on. So, Fernando conquers Viseu and... Oh, Jesus Christ. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> so... This guy, Fernando. <laughs> so this guy, Fernando, is going to be fundamental in understanding the beginning of Portugal. He gathers, like, by the end of it, he conquers everything. And he gathers, like, this massive kingdom. Uh, comprising of the realms of Castela, Leão, and Galicia. So Fernando um, decides to leave each of his children a bit of his mighty kingdom. His elder son, Sancho, gets the kingdom of Castela. His second son, Afonso, gets the kingdom of Leon. Which, which was a questionable choice, since uh, Leon can be considered better than the kingdom of Castela. And, so, and in this way, it ought to have been given to Sancho, who was the eldest. But Papa Fernando has his favorites, and so he gave, it, he, uh, gave the kingdom, the best kingdom, to his favorite son, Afonso. And this is going to be important to all the drama coming next. Yeah, and just to finish, uh, he gives <laughs> Galicia... He gives Galicia to his youngest son, um, Garcia, which was, until then, a county uh, that was part of Lyon, but which Fernando then turns into a kingdom in its own right. Yeah, and lo and behold... Even his two daughters get something. Uh, with his daughter Uraka being given uh, a city, the city of Zamora. And his other daughter Elvira being given the city of Toro. And things were relatively peaceful for a while until the death of their mother in 1067. But in 1068, Sancho wins um, the War of the Three Sanchos. Yeah, I, I have, I have th this uh, allows me to, to um, mention one of the things that's like, 
every generation we're gonna have several Sanchos and several Afonsos and several Uhakas and um in here, so basically yeah just yeah, in this, here mm-hmm, there's there's four Sanchos yeah there here. was three Sanchos e- exactly three yeah. Sanchos so it's a battle it's the, it's called the battle of the three Sanchos because they were basically all called Sancho like what are the odds of this very high as it turned out because they yeah, all have clearly. the same fucking names clearly but yeah but Sancho Sancho the the our the well not our but the Sancho that we're talking about right now he wins that battle um as well and he carries on on a series of battles and winning a series of things quite unlikely why is it quite unlikely Nish? wins the improbable war of the three centuries against Central of Aragon and Central of Navarra, which only goes to show the incredibly incredible lack of creativity in naming their children at the time. So it's improbable the name of the battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, the so Sancho San, the Sancho that were um, talking about here, he goes on to win a series of battles including um, a battle against his uh, own brother, Afonso. And this is the Battle of Llantada. In the same year as the, as the Battle of the Three Sanchos, um, he also attacks the Taifa of Badajoz. Taifa is basically the name that uh, we give to uh, Muslim kingdoms at the time. So the, the Moorish kingdoms... They weren't called kingdoms, they were called taifas. They had a leader exactly the same, but the word is taifa. So, uh, Badajoz, which is today a city in Spain, at the time was part of the taifa of Badajoz. And uh, Sancho attacks this this uh, taifa. This was problematic, and this is the first breach in their sibling bond, so between him and his brothers, because the taifa of Badajoz, uh, albeit an Arabic kingdom, was allied and under the protection of Galicia and his brother Garcia. So Garcia, the ruler of Galicia, one of the three brothers, he was, um, the type of Badajoz was under his protection and allied to him. And so comes in Sancho and he attacks it. So already not a great start. No, not a great start at all, but that's, that's, yeah. That's how it's going to go, and it's not going to get better, is it? Uh, no, it's not about to get any uh, any better at all. Like, actually, in an amazing prolific year, Sancho still fights and wins over his brother Afonso in the Battle of Lantada. So, uh, Afonso, as you remember, he was the second brother, and he was the favorite of uh, Fernando I. So, that one he loses to Sancho, so Sancho is just going around winning everything. Although this does not seem to have very serious consequences, it seems Sancho was under the impression that Afonso was having like some expansionist thoughts towards his kingdom, but after sorting the differences in the battle, the two brothers remain cordial. Like so much so that when Afonso shows up at Sancho's wedding, they come up with his plan to invade Galicia, the kingdom of their brother Garcia. Very nice, like that sibling bonding. I mean, you go to someone's wedding and you just decide to invade the the kingdom of your little brother. Nice well, work, but guys. they do, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. They do. I don't have siblings, but I mean, that's the way to go. In the meantime, 
the kingdom of Galicia, who was given to the younger brother, turns out to be a bit more of a headache than anticipated. There's revolts and resistance going on everywhere he turns, and these culminate in the Battle of Pedrozu, which we've mentioned before, which he won, Garcia won it, against Nuno Mendes, who was the Count of Portugale. And uh, in this battle, so Nuno Mendes, he dies, and this is the end of the... Um, of the lineage of Vimera Perez and uh, Mumadona Dias, and the, the end of the line of the Counts of Portugal. So the line is distinguished here, and the kingdom of Portugal is united, like completely united with Galicia, and it stops existing, like we said before, for 23 years. So we're gone, we're united with Galicia. Right, okay, but uh, this is not all of it for this year, and um, Garcia has to face a few more things before the year is over. So in June, both of his brothers invade his lands, although they are unable to keep them. Yeah, because, I mean, shocker, these two brothers who've been to battle before and who decide to invade other, other, their other brother's land, like, they have another fallout. Shocker, I know, big plot twist. They have another fallout and basically they're fighting again and Sancho wins again. So eventually he gets distracted for a little while, but eventually uh, Sancho would then conquer Galicia once again and he wins again and for good and he defeats Garcia again and he locks them up. Lovely family, I told you, lovely family. He locks him up. Yeah, he locks him up. So he wins, he takes his kingdom and he throws him in jail. So that's how Sancho gets crowned the king of the three kingdoms in that year, right? Yeah, so still in the same year. I mean, these people achieve so much in a year. I, I can't even, okay? They, all my plans that I had for last year, I put on hold. They last five years. All my New Year's resolution are always like for, you know, the next ten, if. Anyway, uh, this guy achieves a lot, clearly. Um, he's crowned the king of the three kingdoms in the very same year. So once again, he gets the kingdoms that his father had distributed Amongst the three brothers, he gets them all united under him. Okay, okay, well, but, what about, but what about his sisters? They had uh, two sisters, right? Yeah, they had two sisters, and it's like, these are fierce ladies. So even though the other kingdoms fall, so, you know, the brothers, the boys had two kingdoms, boom, gone. Uh, the sisters had two cities. One, uh, Elvira, uh, she stands up for uh, she stands up to him for a while, but eventually, like she, um, she uh, her city gets taken over. Elvira and the city of Toro were unable to stand for long, but Tuhaka in the city of Zamora, she resisted. She resists for a while. He tried to negotiate with her, like offer other towns, do this, come on, just be nice, open the doors to your brother, and she did not. And uh, eventually, Sancho had to lay siege to the city. Well, had to. He did it, anyway. At this time, both Garcia and Afonso, the brothers, they were both uh, imprisoned. Uh, later on, Afonso manages to escape, thanks to the help of this sister Uhaka. I mean, seriously, she's doing everything. She's keeping the city up. She's getting, like, the brother out somehow. I mean, please, this woman is magical. How? I don't know how she did it. 
so she get she gets him to escape and he goes and takes shelter in a taifa of Toledo, so in the Moorish kingdom. So there you go. He escapes his brother, a Christian kingdom, and he goes and gets shelter in the Moorish kingdom. So again, another example of how, you know, fluid this how, things are. Yeah, and things move, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. The siege drags on and then a noble, uh, a nobleman from Zamora, he deserts the city, so he gets out of the city of Zamora and he requests to meet with uh, Sancho, with the king. He's planning to sell some secrets in, in exchange for a pardon. So basically, uh, yeah, he's running away from the city. I want to meet with the king. I have some, some information for you so you can pardon me. Or was he really? No, he wasn't. In the oldest plot twist in history, this works somehow. And he gets an interview with the king and he murders the king. Oh no, who saw this coming? And amazingly enough, I mean, the incompetence of these people was, I mean, it rivals the incompetence of our governments today because this guy, he managed to get an interview with the king. He murders the king and then he can escape all through the camps back to the city and they don't catch him. (laughs) How amazing is that? So now... Sanshu is dead. Right, and where does that leave us? So basically, the two brothers that he had imprisoned um, are free, and they both come up north again. Now, what happens here? Sanshu, too, when he died, he had nowhere. So at least there, there's no difficulties. Afonso, the second son, becomes the king, and he he gets the three United Kings again, and he's going to go. He's going to be the one that we remember furthest and he's going to expand the kingdoms a lot. Now, this wasn't all like super easy at the, at the beginning. Uh, both Uhaka and Afonso get accused of plotting to kill their brother. And actually, there were even rumors... <laughs> I just saw your reaction. Um, actually, there were actually rumors of incest between the two. Uh, but we're not... I, I don't have any, enough sources to comment on that, so... It's probably just bad-mouthing the amazingly and fierce woman who, you know, was doing all the work for her brothers. Ohaka actually undergoes a trial by combat, like we've seen in some movies and stuff like that. But hey, it's deemed inconclusive, so I don't know. Maybe someone got an arm chipped off but didn't die in the next three days or something. <laughs> they don't know. Right. <laughs> they don't okay. know uh, exactly what happened there. But yeah, she's free to go. Basically, her loving brother was the one in the was the one ruling now so yeah all is good and Afonso becomes the the king of all the kingdoms and he goes by the title of Rex Panier which would mean would be Latin for something like the king of Spain even though bear in mind Spain is nothing like the Spain that we have in mind today but yeah so one year after and if that was not enough um, uh, all this mess between the brothers um, continues and Afonso calls Garcia to a meeting which turns out to be no more than a pretext for an ambush and Garcia is then Im- imprisoned once again yeah I know the, I mean this guy has the worst life of the law I mean like it's horrible so he stays there for almost uh, well for 12 years and he dies in prison and he's so dramatic. He ha- he must have been like the emo of his time. When he has to be, when he, well, before dying, obviously, when he died, but before dying, 
he asked to be uh, buried in chains as he had lived. And in his tomb, in his tombstone, um, it was written, Here lies Lord Garcia, King of Portugal and Galicia, son of the great King Ferdinand. He was captured by his brother using a trick and placed in chains. Um, he died... Da, 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 da. So... Right, so this is this is not clear when when exactly was this tombstone sculptured, but uh, if we assume it dates from around the time of his death, this should be the first record of the title King of Portugal, and that's exactly exactly that goes full okay. circle, like yeah, uh, and we finally arrive in Portugal. Yeah, yes. it's almost the end of the rabbit hole. Not quite. Long. Yeah, not yeah. quite. Not um, quite. Not quite. But definitely a big, a big step on 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 our way. It um, is, and it yeah. is amazing that it's the first record that we have of that uh, title. And of course, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. We know this is not Portugal. Portugal. Like we're not talking about the country Portugal. Blah blah blah. We know that, but it's the first written mention. Of something that is going to lead us to that. And that's why... Yeah. Yeah. Of this exact title. So, um, yeah. It, it's it's nothing more than that. But it's still, it's still quite an interesting curiosity, I would say. Apparently, Garcia was also a favorite of the poets of that time. Due to his... Well, let's call it tragic. But I think that's kind of an euphemism. Because... It's, yeah, it's I mean, like, everything it's, it's happened really to that terrible. guy. I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, From his so... fucking brothers. Can you believe that? Yeah, he, he he was super popular with the poets and they made a shit ton of ballads about him. Well, reading is fundamental. <laughs> I think that should be the last, like, the last line to our first episode. Reading is fundamental, kids. And this is where we'll stop for now. Stick with us and join us in the next episode of Corkout History in two weeks. Until then, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Corkout History Pod and on Twitter at Corkout History, where you can reach out to us, let us know your thoughts and discover more about the upcoming episodes. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Your comments are crucial so that more people can find us. Bye! Bye.